So we continue in our series, The Way of Jesus. We've been uh, just kind of cataloging through what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, we said that as a church, our vision is to be and to make disciples of Jesus. Again, this is not an original idea from us. We took it right from the words of Jesus, right? But that's what we want to be about. If we want to put that in a phrase, we want to be about being disciples ourselves and then making disciples. We've also said that in order for us to make disciples, we first have to be disciples. We're not going to be very good disciple makers if we're not first being good disciples, if we're not following after Jesus, right? We can only reproduce that which we already have ourselves. And so that's our goal. That's what we're chasing after this year. Starting the year off, we said, look, that's what we want to chase after. We want to go after this goal of being like Jesus in every way that we can. And we talked about how uh, back in Jesus' day, back in first century Jerusalem, um, when there was a rabbi, there was a teacher, they would have disciples. So this idea of discipleship was not new to Jesus, right? Um, but a rabbi would have a disciple. And in the Hebrew, they were called a Talmudim. Um, and these, and these, these disciples, right, they had three goals in their discipleship. And we've been talking through that. Goal number one was what? Anybody remember? My life group should remember because we talked about it this week. What's goal number one? Anybody? Be with Jesus. Okay. Goal number two we talked about last week. Become like Jesus. And then finally, do what Jesus did. Right? Do these things. It's like open book test, man. What's the point? Okay? And so... Be with Jesus, right? There's a call for us to actually spend time with Jesus and invest our lives and to actually uh, be in his presence. And, and there should be a desire in us to, to be with him, right? And then out of that should grow us to become like him, right? One of the main goals, again, as a, as a disciple is to be a carbon copy of your rabbi, of your master. And for us, that's Jesus, right? And so right now in our study, we're going to take a pause on this goal right here. We're going to get to the third goal in a little bit, right? But I feel like there's a lot that goes into our practice that needs to happen between becoming like Jesus and then doing the things that Jesus did. And so we're going to take the next several weeks and we're going to talk about some of these things that we can do, some of these practices that will help us, that will form us into the people uh, that start to look and act and think and live like Jesus did. Right. Uh, one of the things we talked a lot about last week was this idea of formation. And we said that we're all being formed by something. There's something in our lives, in our world, in our hearts, in our minds that are forming us. Right. And, and, and we, we had a comparison, right? There's, there's this unintentional formation, right? These things, Chad, if you put up that next slide, uh, it might be a, two slides down, the, the two charts. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, there are these unintentional formation things, right? Just as being born into your family, into the environment, into the world, into the groups of people that you're around, you start to be formed by these things, right? The stories that we believe, right? The core is our environment, the habits that we start to create in our lives, the, the good and bad habits, and then the relationships that we're around, right? And that just happens unintentionally without us doing anything, right? But on the other hand, there's this intentional formation. And I think this is what helps us become more like Jesus, right? So at the core of that is the Holy Spirit. When we have the Spirit of God living in us, it starts to change us and shape us and mold us. And God is to being more and more like Jesus, right? And then we, we talk about teachings, those, those times that we come and sit together under the teaching of the Word of God and how that can form us and shape us and mold us. And then practice, these practices, um, these practices that um, we can put into place in our lives, things like prayer and fasting and reading our Bible and being in community and silence and solitude. These practices that over time will shape us more and more into the character of Jesus. And then finally, community, getting together with other like-minded believers Though we don't have everything in common, that's one of the beautiful things about community is that we may not look the same, we may not be in the same life phase, we may have different things happening in our life, and that's a beautiful expression, right? That's a beautiful thing that starts to mold us and to shape us. I can tell you one of the things I love so much about our life group is that we have people in our life group in a wide variety of ages and things going on in their life, and I love that, and I need that. Right? I need people in my life that have already walked down the road that, that, I've, that I'm about to go down and can give me some guidance. 
right? I also need people who are uh, at a place in their life that I've already been and that I can go back and pour back into them. And that's the, the beauty of this idea of community. And so last week, uh, we left with a practice, with a goal, right? And our practice was that we were going to go home and we were going to think through these formations, right? Uh, and if you were here last week, uh, hopefully you got a copy of, of a little uh, worksheet that looks something like this, right? And hopefully you had some time this week to look over that and to think over that. And I realize several of you guys weren't here last week. Um, we also threw that up on all of our social media stuff as well. Um, but um, what I want us to do is I want us to, to stop... Uh, and just have a discussion really quick about what you learned from that, uh, that time, from this practice, from looking at those things that form us in our lives. Um, what did you learn from that? What did you learn as you started to think through the stories that you believe, the environment that, you're, that you live in, the habits and the relationships? Um, what did you, maybe you identify as you looked at some of the teachings or the community or the practices that you need in your life? Okay, so what we want to do is we want to take a couple minutes, and if you guys would just get into groups of maybe four people or so that are, that are kind of somewhere maybe close to you, because we're kind of packed out today, um, but if you want to be adventurous, feel free to, to get up and shift around, um, but let's get in some groups, and let's just talk about that for a minute. What did you learn as you looked at this idea of formation? Okay, and while you guys are doing that, I'm going to walk around. I know some of you guys weren't here last week. I'm going to walk around and give you one of these, um, just so you can join in the discussion if you weren't here. Okay, so if you need one, just let me know. So let's talk about that for a minute and then we'll come back together. Oh, you were. I love something that Holly said. I don't know if she was intentional in saying this. Maybe she was. She probably was. Um, I, I love how she said it. was a good thing. She said this morning uh, when she was praying, I think when she was praying, she was just talking about um, God bless this time as we have this conversation together about God. Something, something along that way. It's probably a little bit more elegant than that. But, um, but that, that was it. That was pretty much it, right? Uh, but I love that idea that this time together is really a conversation. It's, it's, it's as the body of Christ collectively coming together and talking about the things of God. As we open up the word and as we discuss God, that it's a conversation. It's not, it's not just uh, simply sitting and listening, but we're engaging all of us into that. I love that picture, and that's why I love that we have the time and the space uh, for us to have conversation and engage in, in, in communication with each other uh, throughout our time together in the morning. So hopefully that was good for you. Hopefully that was a good accountability for you. Um, that, that's just that reminder of as we practice, we also want to do that and remember that so we can add something to our discussion time the next week. Okay? And so um, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit this morning, and we're going to talk about our first practice. Before we get there, um, i got a question for us. I'll write a word up on the board. I'll write it in black. Okay. The word desire, right? The word desire. Is that is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? All right. So we're going to do it very democratically and, and by show of hands. All right. If if you think that the word desire is a good thing, raise your hand. Okay. If you think it's a bad thing, raise your hand. Okay. If you think Russ is trying to trick you because it's probably a little bit of both. Yes. Right. So here's the thing. Right. Here's the thing. Desire in its proper place is not just a good thing. It's the best thing. It's what we're called to do and to be. Right. Probably one of my favorite uh, quotes uh, throughout the, the, the time of history was by St. Augustine. He said this way. He said, Thou hast made for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. What he means by that is that there is a desire within our hearts, and our hearts are going to continue to be restless and wondering until they find the thing that it was created to find its desire in. Until our hearts find that which it was made to desire and to long for, to rest in. And that's God, right? C.S. Lewis came along a little bit later, and he said this. He said, The Christian says creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction from those desires exists. He goes on to say, Yet if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, 
the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that line, right? As we think about our lives, when we think about this desire that we have, there is a, what I would say, the greatest desire of the human heart is something that we can't find a solution for in this world. It's a desire that, that we're not going to find as, as, as many things as we try to pile into our lives, because that's what we try to do, right? At the core, like, we have a, uh, a desire in our heart for something. We have, a, uh, we, we have a want for something, and what we try to do is we just try to fill it with things, or maybe relationships. But ultimately what we realize is that there's something that that desire was meant to have. There was a solution for that desire. There was That desire was given to us for a reason. And until we find out what that was, we're going to continue to try to fill our hearts with desires that are less than God. One more quote from uh, C.S. Lewis and we will continue on. I just find this to be very helpful. Uh, he says this, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but actually too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, with, when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. He says, We are far too easily pleased. That notion that even though we think that we have desires and we do have desires in our life, yet he says the problem is not that we have too many desires, but actually we don't have the right desire in the right amount, right? He says, he says that we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily satisfied with things less than what our hearts were created for, right? And that thing that our hearts was created for was God. God created us. In the beginning, to desire Him, to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are actually, the original plan in creation was for us to be image bearers of God. We are to be a reflection of the beauty and the grandeur and the majesty of God. That was our purpose before that came and corrupted. And so our, our entire goal in life, in creation, was to reflect the glory of God, to bring glory to God. And we still have that desire in our hearts. I love how the psalm writers pick up on this. I want to just read a couple of psalms that I think speak to this. Psalm 63, verse 1. David says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It says in Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and be appear before God? We have a desire for God. Our hearts are looking for God. As the Westminster Catechism would say, man's chief and the goal of man is to, to, glory, uh, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Right? That's our purpose in life, is to bring glory to God and also to enjoy Him forever, right? That, that's the greatest desire that we can have in our life, is for God, right? But that's not the only desire that we have in our lives, right? That's not the only desire that God created us to have, right? There are other desires, right? Uh, secular psychology says that there's 16 other human desires that make up Humanity. I don't agree with all of them, so that's why I didn't put it in there this morning. Um, right? But what are some of the other desires that we have in our life? Just, just kind of spit them out there real quick. Food. <laughs> Food. And all God's people said amen. Love and be loved. Love. Water. Wa Food and water, yes. Nice warm house to sleep in. Oh, yeah. Good job. Shelter. Sleep is good. Sleep. 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 <laughs> Right, anything else? Money buys all that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need any money though, Heath is willing to hand some out back to church today. We have the greatest response ever, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Are these things evil in and of themselves? No. no. God created us with these desires, right? To have these, these needs and these wants and these things that, that we crave in our life, right? The problem is, as we know, 
when we take these desires that are less than God and we elevate them to the place where only God should be, right? That's when they become sinful. That's when it becomes an issue. When I take things like, like a love for, for other people and relationships and I put that and I elevate that over my relationship for God, my desire for Him. When I love my family and people around me more than I love God, they become an idol. And that's a problem. When I love my things, my house, my cars, the things that I have, these useful tools that God's given to me, when I love them more than I do God and I do more things to get them than I do desiring God, they become a problem, right? All of these things are good things in their right place, right? Which is somewhere below our main desire, which is for God. And I wanted to start with desire today because our practice, right? I feel like our practice today uh, really is um, something that over time will help keep our desire in the right place. Okay? Throughout history, throughout scripture, even from the beginning, God has given us a place and a time to keep our desire, uh, to keep remembering our desire and keep our focus on Him in its proper order, in its proper place. Without, with, within the ebbs and flows of the rest of life, right? In fact, I would submit to you this morning that even from the beginning of creation, even the fabric of creation, God created a practice, if we want to call it that. Uh, God put something in creation for us to remember Him, for us to remember Him in our lives and to, to, to fulfill that desire for Him even throughout the way He created the rhythm of our life. We call it a week, Right? In seven days, right, God created a day in there for us to glorify Him and to think about Him, right? And of course, what I'm talking about is this idea of Sabbath, right? And there's a lot of probably things that are attached with that this morning, okay? So I'm going to use the word Sabbath and also rest kind of interchangeably this morning because I think we kind of get at the same principle and there's a lot of baggage attached with Sabbath um, and hopefully by the end, we can kind of strip some of that away and see the beauty behind why God put this in there. So if you will, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, God's word says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God rested, I'm sorry, on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Guys, let's just, uh, let's just pause and pray um, and then we're going to get right into this text. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our time uh, in your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, you would come and just illuminate our minds to this. God, uh, that you would give us a proper understanding of uh, what it was that you were doing, even in the fabric of creation, even in the beginning of creation, uh, God, as you were writing our story and our narrative that you were putting in there. And God, that today we would understand the purpose of that. God, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I pray that we would, we would recapture the heart of the Sabbath, uh, even within our daily routines and our, and our weekly rhythms of life. Uh, Father, just be with us. Um, God, we know that you are, uh, but we just ask that your spirit would uh, just move our hearts and minds as we dive into your word today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verse 2, right, we get this idea that after God had created everything, right, after God had created everything in the week, right, six days he created everything that we see, and God said that all that stuff was really, really good, right? We know that story from the beginning. But on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. The Hebrew word there for rest is the word Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Shabbat. Oh, man, y'all are like mm, great Hebrew scholars this morning, right? Shabbat, which is obviously where we get the word Sabbath from, right? Um, Shabbat. And literally, the word means to stop or to rest. God had worked for six days creating all that exists and then on the seventh day, God stopped from that work. Right? We also see from the text here in verse 3 that God did two other things. One was that he blessed the seventh day. Right? He blessed the seventh day. I've always just uh, 
can we go back to yep right now. thank you i've always just kind of read through this part and i was like yeah god god kind of like i don't know in my mind i'm like god just took a siesta took a little break you know uh had done some heavy lifting for six days so now he's just sitting back you know just relaxing or whatever and i always miss this part uh, the beginning part of verse three that he blessed the seventh day right what does it mean to bless something what does it mean Get holy? Okay. What else? We bless something. If, if I say I just want to bless you today, right? What do I want to do? What do we mean by that? Share that? Serve them. Okay, serve them, maybe. Yeah, that could be part of our blessing people. What else? What do you mean? Stop and take time. Stop and take time. Okay. And, and I think it means to really this idea of making something rich and plentiful, right? If God would bless a land... Right? Typically, we would mean that that land would be very rich and plentiful. They would have lots of crops. Right? They would have lots of water and things that they needed. Right? And so it's to make it rich and to make it plentiful. Right? And to make it exceedingly wonderful. And that's God's purpose in the seventh day. He said, so God blessed the seventh day. Right? He makes it a rich, plentiful, wonderful day. And that's what it should be. Right? This idea of the Sabbath, the seventh day, should be a rich, plentiful, wonderful day for us. And he made it holy. Right? He made it holy. Of course, that word holy, we've talked about many times, it means to be set apart, to be distinct from the rest. He made it different from the rest. It had a special purpose. In fact, the word holy is the term that's most used to describe God himself. Right? As you read throughout scripture, the word that describes God the most is holy. He's different. He's set apart. He's distinct from everything else. And so God blessed this day. He made it rich and he set it apart that it would be different from the other days of the week. Right? It had a special purpose behind it. And then he gives the reason why. Why would it be special? Because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done. And so as his creation, we were called to rest on the seventh day because God rested, right? As a reflection of God, we are reflecting what God himself did on the seventh day. And so that's the story, right? From the beginning, in the fabric of creation, God said, rest on the seventh day. I'm going to make that seventh day a blessing. It's going to be a wonderful joy. It's going to be a present for humanity for us to rest on. Because on that day, I rested from all of my work. And I'm going to make it holy. It needs to be set apart. It needs to be different than the other six days a week. Here's something interesting, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but up until probably the last couple hundred years, the idea of a five-day work week was like not even in the was not even in the storyline, right? That's a very that's a very modern way to think about it, right? God in His original plan was for us to work six days and to have one day to rest and to think about Him, right? And so just think about how blessed we are that man we get two, we get twice as much time to rest, right? Uh, I was just I saw uh, I came across that in my in my studies this weekend. I was just like, man, praise the Lord, we get an extra day to rest, um, right? But so, so the question is, though, is what is the purpose of the Sabbath day? Let's dive into that a little bit more because this isn't the only place in Scripture, right, that, that this idea of Sabbath uh, comes up, right? Um, and the purpose of Sabbath, I believe, as we look at Scripture, is, is to rest and to reflect on God, right? Rest and reflection, which then should produce joy in that day, right? And so probably the place that we're most familiar with that term, the Sabbath, is found in the list of commands that God gives in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, right? So in the list of the Ten Commandments, God lists out the Sabbath today and the instructions for that. This is found in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Does anybody, does anybody know, just a little Bible drill real quick, does anybody know which command that is? I only know it because I studied for it this week. Yeah. Trina, my girl, she got it. Number four, right? Number four. I think that's kind of significant because as you look at the list of ten, um, this commandment of the Sabbath bridges uh, the 
the commandments that have to do with the way that we honor God and that we live for him, and then the commandments that deal with the way that we relate to the rest of humanity, things like don't murder and kill and steal, those things. Um, and so this fourth commandment is kind of the bridge between those two. I just thought that was an interesting tidbit as I was reading, uh, as I was looking at that. But let's, let's read from, uh, from Exodus chapter 20, uh, this account. What does God say in this command? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He goes on to explain why. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work. You or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or the sojourners who is within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Right? So in the, in the, in the storyline, right, God created humanity. He created the Sabbath, right? And everything was great. Work for six days, right? And work was good, right? Work wasn't a bad thing. Work was a good thing. You work for six days, right? There was purpose and meaning and reflection of God and all of that. And then the seventh day, you stop that work and you just reflect on God. You rest in him and reflect on what he's done, right? Well, not very far into our story, right, about page three of the Bible, Right? We see that, that that whole thing got messed up because of sin. Sin came in and it, and it cracked our storyline. It messed up the relationship between us and God. And work became this thing that was actually hard and not enjoyable all the time. Right, um, And so then, then history goes on and there's a certain point in the life of God's people um, where he needs to remind them of this idea of stopping and resting. Right? And so that's what the Ten Commandments are as part of the laws. It's, it's, and one of the meanings for that is that it, it helps his people to see how God wants them to live. Right? And so this commandment is definitely a nod back to Genesis chapter 2. Um, and he says a few things in here. First of all, he says, remember the Sabbath day. Right? In other words, don't forget it. This is a destruction. Right? Don't just forget to do this. Don't just kind of let it happen if it will and not. Right? But we need to remember it. We need to keep it holy, right? The only way we can keep it holy is if we remember that, if we actually make it happen, right? And for them, they wouldn't do any work on this day, right? In fact, they would prepare on the sixth day, right? Is, is what became the practice for them was they would prepare well on the sixth day so that on the seventh day, it could truly be a day of rest and reflection on God. Um, and so the first reminder there is to just remember it, right? Just remember this day. Don't forget it. Why? To keep it holy. To keep it separate for its purpose that we think about God. Right? But also on this day, what are we to do? We're to rest. Right? And it wasn't just a rest for Israel. It was also a rest for the, for the servants, for the strangers, and for the animals. Right? It was a day of resting from work. And some of us really struggle with this idea of taking a day and resting. <coughs> Right? We feel like this is just a waste of time, right? And I think what part of what God does in this is keeps us from the idolatry of work, right? Do you guys know that work can be idolatry? Even though we hate it sometimes, it can be an idolatry, right? It can, it can, be, it can so capture our hearts that, again, we take something like work that God said is a good desire for us to do, and we elevate it to a place above God, right? And that's called idolatry, idolatry. And so this practice of the Sabbath, this command, was to help humanity not give in to that idol. To have a point, right? To have a practice, to have a time throughout their week that they stopped thinking about work and they focused completely on God. Right? Now, on the other side, I think I need to, the, the other side of that idolatry sometimes can be laziness. And the Bible speaks about that. Right? The Sabbath day rest doesn't become very significant if our other six days are really just kind of rest. Right? If, if, we, if we just kind of sit around and we don't do anything significant or we're not kind of trying to work hard to make God's glory known to the world the other six days, it doesn't really make that day as special either. It just kind of seems like another day. Right? So there's encouragement on both sides. Right? Some of us, it's encouragement that, man, we need to work hard those six days. We need to, to put our minds in whatever avenue that is. Right? That doesn't mean that we have to work at a, at a given career or, or a certain job. Right? But whatever God has called us to do, whatever that is, we need to give it our best and we need to work hard toward what God has given to us. Right? But for, for, for the other side of us, sometimes we need to remember that, man, we just need to rest. Right? 
We need to stop making work our idol and, and put God in his proper place, right? And so we rest and then we reflect, right? We reflect on God, right? Here in this passage, starting in verse 9, it talks about, remember, right? What did God do? Well, on six days, he labored. He created everything that was around. And then on the seventh day, he rested, right? And so for us on this day, it's a day for us to reflect on the creation of God. It's a day for us to reflect on the beauty and the majesty of God and to think about him and to enjoy being in his presence. And so we rest on that day. And then the result of that, right, the purpose of that, then should to bring joy to our lives. Sabbath shouldn't be something, right? This day of rest shouldn't be something that we just kind of like, oh man, it's Sabbath again. I'm guessing I'm going to have to not do anything, not go to the mall, not do, right? Like, that's not what the purpose, <laughs> Sabbath was to be a day that, that should have been a joy to God's people, right? Uh, and in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 13 and 14, he says this. He says, if you would turn back your foot from the Sabbath, right, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, because God's people had, had turned the Sabbath into just, again, I think what we do a lot of times is just another day, right, another day for them. He says, and call the Sabbath day a delight, right? That's the goal is that this should be a delight. This should be the highlight of our week, a day that we can reflect and rest in God. And to make it holy to the Lord, and honorable. And if you honor it in the way that God has called you to, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Right? This is the goal, is that this day should be a delight. This should actually be the highlight of our week. Right? So we think about our week and we think about how, how busy and hectic our weeks can be. We should look to our day of rest to reflect on the Lord as a joy. Right? As a joy. And if we don't find joy in, in, in spending an entire day just reflecting on God and worshiping Him, we really need to look very inwardly at our hearts and ask the question, why? Right? We ask the question, why? And so we need to remember it, we need to rest, and we need to reflect on it. Now, the question comes into the conversation, then at our point, hey, that's great. I understand it. I see that. I see God did that in the Old Testament. I see that was commandment of the law, right, that God gave. But hey, guess what, Pastor Man? I'm not under the law anymore. It's all under Christ. I'm free, right? You can't hold me down with the law anymore. I'm free, right? Do we still have to practice the Sabbath, right? I think that comes into the, to the equation, right? Do we, do we still, are we still required to observe a Sabbath day? And what I want us to understand is that while no, we may not be, be required to observe it in the way that God commanded in the Old Testament, right? Completely on the, on the sixth day or on the seventh day in that way. What we need to realize for us in the New Testament is that Jesus is our Sabbath. And this is what I want us to spend the rest of our time talking about. Okay? In the law, it dictated that God's people would live a certain way. And on a certain day, on the seventh day, right? So on Saturday, right? Throughout the history of Israel... On the Sabbath day, everything shut down. There was no work to be done. There was no shops open. There were no things to happen. Even today, to this day, if you go to Jer Jerusalem, it's the very same way. The majority of that, of that city, everything shuts down. In fact, I heard a really funny story that there are even elevators, right? There's a regular elevator, and there's a Shabbat, or a Sabbath elevator. All right? And you're like, well, what's the difference, right? Here's the difference. Okay, the regular elevator, of course, works the normal way. The Shabbat elevator, right, is punched into every single floor, so no one has to do the work of pushing a button. You just get onto the elevator, and it goes one floor at a time, at a time, at a time. Because what happened, right, uh, in God's people is that they wanted to follow this law, and then they started to add these other rules and restrictions to the law. They started to add these other things, like at some point they came along and said, it's not good to push a button, that's work, so we'll create a whole separate elevator so you don't have to do that. Right? And they started piling on these laws, right? And you can find these in a thing called the Mishnah. There's a bunch of uh, explanations of the law, right? And so by the time that Jesus came onto the scene, they had occurred all of these laws that they had packed on top of these Ten Commandments. And so the, the, the law of observing the Sabbath was no longer just to take a day of rest and remember the Lord, right? But it was all these other things that you couldn't do that was intrinsically and explicitly spelled out, 
right? And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, right, he addresses this, right? And we need to realize is that Jesus, right, doesn't do away with the law, right? He doesn't abolish it and say, get out of here, the law is horrible, right? But he says, I've come to fulfill the law, to bring the true meaning, the true understanding, to fulfill that, the purpose in which the law was given. And so we get a story early on in the Gospels, right? If you read through the Gospel, I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark right now, and it's amazing how many stories happen on the Sabbath day. How many stories Jesus is doing things on the Sabbath day. In fact, he even begins his public ministry, right, on a Sabbath, right? He was in, uh, he, was, he was among the people, he was worshiping on the Sabbath, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah to talk about how he's come as the Messiah. And so God's, Jesus certainly doesn't say that the, the Sabbath is pointless and we should just never forget about it. And it's this horrible thing. He's come to fulfill it. And so in, in Mark chapter 2, um, Mark tells a story of Jesus' disciples. It was a Sabbath day, and him and his disciples were walking along, and they were passing through a grain field, right? And one of their desires was for food, right? Their stomachs started grumbling, right? And so his disciples, as they walked along, they started to pick some of the grain heads and started to eat them. Right? I don't know what a grain head tastes like. In my mind, it's like a sunflower seed. Right? And so they're just popping these things in their mouth because they're hungry. Well, the Pharisees, right, they see all of this, and they're like, okay, it's on now. I mean, Jesus can say all this crazy stuff, but now he's messing with the Sabbath. We're going to take him out. Right? And so he addresses Jesus, and he's like, hey, your disciples, these that are supposed to be following you, they're doing work on the Sabbath. They're eating on the Sabbath. And Jesus tells him, do you not know, right? Have you not read the scriptures? I love, Jesus says that over and over again, right? Have you not read the scriptures? He said, David, right, even went in and ate the bread that was only reserved for the priest to eat, right? And he tells him this whole story about how you've messed up the meaning of the Sabbath. But in verse 27 of Mark chapter 2, Jesus says this. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus puts the Sabbath in its proper understanding, in its proper place. You see, what had happened is over centuries and, and, and times and times and times, they had added all these laws, right? And what he's reminding them is, look, in the beginning when God created the Sabbath, it was a day for man to enjoy. But because you've added all these laws and these restrictions to it, it's no longer a, a joy, but it's a weight. It's a burden that you've put, put on the people of God. And so Jesus is reminding the purpose of Sabbath was a day for man to stop and to fulfill their one true desire. To, to pause from the work of life and to truly take an entire day and to reflect on God. And then he follows that along with verse 28. But what you need to realize is that the Son of Man, which is Jesus' favorite term for himself, he is even Lord of the Sabbath, right? I've come in, there's something new that's happening and so now Jesus is the fulfillment, okay, of the law. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He doesn't do away with it, but he fulfills it, right? Um, and so we are no longer under the requirement of the law, right, to keep a Sabbath and observe it in the way uh, that it's laid out there in the Old Testament. And, and we get this a few places in Scripture, okay? Um, not explicitly in the New Testament. We get it in a few places that talk about this. Uh, one of those is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Listen to Paul's heart as he says this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in the questions of food and drink, okay? Or with regards to festivals or new moons or, there it is, a Sabbath. I love this, though. He said, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. This is where it's at, folks, right? It's that, it's that the law was great and had a purpose, right? But it was just a shadow. It was just a, it was a picture to show us how we need to live. But the substance, the true meaning is Christ. And so it is with the Sabbath, right? Let's not pass judgment on one another about the Sabbath, right? Let's not make this a legalistic thing where salvation's on the line if you don't properly keep the Sabbath every single day, right? Remember that the substance belongs to Christ, but in the same place, Christ doesn't do away with the Sabbath as well. We need to remember that, right? So really the question comes down to this, right? Requirement versus wisdom, 
right? I think this is really where it lands for us. Requirement versus wisdom, a requirement of the law versus the principle of the law, right? Are we required by the old covenant for us to keep a Sabbath day? Answer? No. no. Is it wise for us to take a day in the rhythm of our life as a reflection, right? That, by the way, happened before sin came into the picture, before the law came, right? For us to take a day and to reserve it for God and to think about Him. Is that the wise thing for us to do? Yes, yes right? That's the question that we need to ask about this. Not do I have to, but do I get to? Is it going to fulfill my life? Is it going to help me follow Jesus in a deeper, more meaningful way? We need to also remember that Jesus kept the Sabbath, right? Jesus kept the Sabbath. In no place does he say, you don't need to Sabbath anymore. You don't need to take a day and rest. Jesus, Jesus took that time and rested, right? So another question that comes into, I guess, into our discussion, into our life then is, well, when do we do that? Should we keep a literal seventh day, which would be Saturday? Or should we do maybe Sunday, right? What do we do? What's today? Sunday, right? What are we doing? We're worshiping. We're taking a rest from our work, hopefully. You guys are on your phones right now. Get off. Take a day of rest. Think about the Lord. Just kidding. Um, Right? It's the Sabbath day, right? So why do we do that? Well, the New Testament doesn't specifically come out and say, you need to worship on Sunday. But I think if we look, there's, a little, there's some breadcrumbs, right? As John Piper says, there's some breadcrumbs laid out that help us to kind of think that that was probably the practice of the early church. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says this. On the first day of the week, what was the first day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. Good job. <laughs> when they were gathered together to break bread. Now, that idea of breaking bread was, was a common adage for them when they were talking about getting together and worshiping, coming together as the church. They would break bread. Um, and Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day, uh, and he prolonged his speech until midnight, okay? And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it says, On the first day of the week, each of you is to put aside something to store up as he may prosper so that he will not be collecting when I come, right? Paul is collecting some money for some people in need, okay? And so he was saying, on the first day of the week. Now, it probably makes sense that they were collecting that when they were gathered together. Does it explicitly say that that was the day? No, but we pick up on that. Uh, John, in the book of Revelation, calls it the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 1, right? And why is this, right? Well, because the resurrection changed everything, right? For thousands of years, or for hundreds and hundreds of years, right, they had gathered on Saturday to worship God, right? But when Jesus resurrected, that changed everything, right? And so we read in all four gospel accounts, right, that resurrection story says on the first day of the week was when Jesus resurrected from the dead, right? So like in John chapter 20, verse 1, this is just one example, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, right? First day of the week, it was Sunday. And so historically, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have chosen, we have now adopted to worship on Sunday because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. If you ever wonder why we get together on Sunday, that's why, right? Um, And after the resurrection, the early church tends to see, it seems like from history, that they gather and worship on Sunday, right? Then it goes all the way up until about 313 AD when a guy named Constantine, right, comes in and he makes Christianity the rule of the land in Rome there, right? And they officially changed the day of worship to Sunday. Um, then when that gets carried over to America and they're deciding, what do we do? Do we worship Saturday? Do we Sunday? They say, hey, let's just do both. And so now we have Saturday and Sunday off. If you ever wanted to know why you get a two-day weekend, there's the reason. They couldn't decide, so they gave both days off. And so, um, but I believe as New Testament followers of Jesus that it makes a good case that we could worship on Sunday. It's the day that we gather to worship in community, right? And so how, the question then that we want to transition is kind of where we want to wrap up and and just kind of land on today, right? I think the most important question for us is not the intricacies of the Sabbath and what day, and I think there's some, there's some room in there, right? Scripture doesn't come out and say specifically it needs to be one day or the other at this point. But I think what we need to focus on and think about is, what do we do on that day, right? Because in my tradition of growing up, it was like Sunday was the day you went up, got, got up and went to church, right? So that was kind of different than the rest of your week. 
And then you came home, and like in our family, we always went to eat at my grandma's house, so that was like a blessing to the Lord in and of itself, right? Because she always had this feast for us, right? Um, one of these desires that we love so much. Um, right? But it was, it was kind of like after, after church, it was kind of like the rest of the day just kind of continued on. And so um, what should that day look like for us, right? And so I want us to look at a couple of, of how, how to's and how not to uh, we should spend our time on this day, this day of rest and reflection on the Lord, okay? Um, and I want to start with the how not to's, um, because I think these are the things that we can sometimes get caught up in, right? So how not to Sabbath. One, one is not to make it legalism or a law, right? We are under grace, right? The law's not done away with, but, but don't, don't start to add all of these human traditions and things on top of it, right? Like, like it's okay. Um, let's make it important and let's validate it, but let's not say that, man, if I don't keep it every single Sunday and I miss a Sunday, that now my salvation's in jeopardy. God doesn't love me anymore because I'm not following this. That, that's what legalism, that's what law and legalism can lead to, right? And so let's not do that, okay? But at the same time, let's not make it like every other day. That's the second one, right? Let's not make it like every other day of the week. It's not just a day off where we can go and do hobbies and things like that. It should be a day that's reserved for the Lord. It should be a day that we reflect and spend a day just enjoying the Lord, right? We'll talk more about that in the how-tos in just a second. Um, Third, not as, uh, not as it should be, not as just a convenience for us, right? We shouldn't just try to squeeze it in where we can, but it should be something that we actually prioritize, right? And it may mean changing some of our scheduling if that's possible. And let me just say at this point too, again, it's not a hard and fast that Sunday. I know some people that their work schedules and things can't allow for that to happen, right? And I think there's some grace and there's some freedom in that, but to have a point where a day that you stop and reflect on the Lord, Right? But at the same time, I think that we shouldn't just look at convenience, but we, need to, we also need to prioritize it. We need to, as God said, remember this day and keep it holy. We need to set it apart. Um, fourth, is that fourth? Fifth. Fifth, um, not as a stress, right? Not as a stress. This is for some of us, right? This should not be a day that we're stressed out and anxious and frustrated by it. But the Sabbath was given as a beautiful gift to humanity. It should be a day that we enjoy. And then we spend time enjoying the Lord, right? And so, so is, I th- and I think if we, if we really adhere to number one, not making it legalistic, it really helps with not getting stressed out about it. But some of us, right, and this is me, I have a hard time with a day off or a day when I'm not like on thinking about things, right? And so in the beginning, yes, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of work and practice for us on this day to, to not think about, oh, I need to check my email and see what I need to do. I need to check my text messaging to see what I need to do, Right? But just to shut it all down for a day and to think about the Lord and to trust in Him and reflect on what He has done for us, right? Finally, I think uh, one thing that will help us is not as unprepared or, or a day full of distractions, right? Um, we shouldn't just wait to the last minute to decide this. Like, okay, well, Sunday, yeah, I don't have much going on, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Sabbath this day, right? But we don't kind of prepare for it, and then all of a sudden there's all these distractions and all this stuff that comes in and it ends up actually not being a day of rest but just kind of a frustrating day, right? Um, now, I don't think that we need to go to the extent maybe that they did in the Old Testament of preparing so that everything shuts down for that day, but I think we need to think about that. We need to think about what that day is going to look like and maybe put a few things into place to make it a day that we can actually rest and think about the Lord, okay? So let's, let's talk about then what should we do, right? How do we Sabbath? Um, or actually, I'm sorry, I need to go back. Um, I need to pause right here, and we need to, to talk about, um, uh, give you guys, I've been talking for a long time, so I want to give you guys a little bit of time to uh, circle up again and talk about those, right? Which of those things of uh, that list of how not to Sabbath, which of those do you think is going to be the greatest challenge for you in taking a day of rest to reflect on the Lord? Which of those do you think is going to be the biggest struggle and challenge for you um, as you think about taking a day just to think about the Lord? Okay, so get that question in your mind because I'm going to have Chad go back to the last slide um, of how not to, to Sabbath. Okay, got to click through all of them. Uh, and I'm going to keep this up there. Uh, whoops. It's okay. Um, so which of this list do you think is going to be the greatest challenge for you? So take a couple minutes. Let's talk about that. Um, and then we'll, we'll uh, wrap back up with the how to Sabbath.
Again, shameless plug for life groups. Great time to talk about that. In fact, I know a group of you guys are going to go leave from here and go talk about that more, so I don't feel as bad um, for, for that. Um, right? But I, but I want us to look at then what, what should Sabbath look like, and then practically, uh, real quick, a couple things uh, in with that. So I'm going to go through this pretty quickly, um, but here's some things for how should we Sabbath. Number one, um, it should be a worship and celebration. That's why, again, I think for a lot of us, Sunday works good because we already have a time to come together and worship God mm-hmm. together. There's something beautiful about that. And so if we can just take that day. Now, that doesn't work for everybody, right? Uh, some of us, it's a really hard challenge because we have other obligations on Sunday that may not make that the day. But for a lot of us, I think it can be that day. And what a beautiful way to reflect and worship God as we come together and to sing praises to his name and to read his word together right? Uh, number two is to make it special. Make this day different than the other six. I can't stress this enough, right? I think that's the thing that's going to help it not feel as uh, frustrating is, is, you know, if we just kind of make this as, you know, day two plus a little bit of Jesus, it doesn't feel special, right? But when we take an entire day and say, I've carved out this day, right? Just to think about him and just to reflect on the beauty of the Lord, it's going to feel significant. And I think it's going to become a joy, which is the third thing, is that it should be in a joy. It should be a joy. It should be something we look forward to all week long, right? Something that we look forward to in our entire week. Number three, for us now as a reflection, not just on God and his creation, yes, right? But part of that is, is also in reflection of the son of Jesus, right? So we remember what Jesus did. It's a day for us to stop and to think about what Jesus did. Uh, John Piper says it this way, God appointed one day in seven to be holy to the Lord. It is designated to provide a weekly meal of reverence for our shriveling souls. Sunday should not be trivial. It should be holy, set apart for God. A day in which we delight ourselves in the Lord uh, in ways that, uh, cannot, that cannot happen on other busy days. Many innocent and good things probably uh, should be replaced with deeper things on the Lord's day. Okay? So reflection, and there's nothing deeper than reflecting on Jesus in the gospel. Right? And so, so part of our day is to think about what Jesus did. We're going we're gonna to do that in just a second uh, through communion this morning. Third, or fourth, fifth, the next one, as a day of rest. <laughs> right? We need to mirror the rhythm of what God set in the beginning in the creation, right? And actually take a day and just rest from our work. Not as another day to see, can I get all the things I didn't get done on Saturday or the other day? But it's a true day of rest. And then number, number uh, next, number next is uh, as intentional and prepared, right? We need to be able to fully enjoy and experience this day. And the way we can do that is to actually be prepared somewhat for it. So a couple things we can do real quick. Put it on your calendar, right? Actually mark it out as a day and say, you know what? This is for the Lord today. And so I'm going to do Lord's thing. I'm going to do things that it's going to worship Him and celebrate Him today, right? Get tasks done ahead of time, right? Maybe maybe cook something the night before that you can just kind of heat up so that you don't have to, like, get all stressed out about cooking a new meal, right, or, or cleaning up or whatever. Get prepared in ways that will make it a more enjoyable day. Um, make plans with people, right? A big part of the Sabbath should be that we are as community together worshiping God, right? So plan that meal ahead so that you can have friends over, you can have brothers and sisters in Christ over that day and share a meal together. And it doesn't become a stress or a worry on anybody, but you can just enjoy the day. And you know what? It's okay if you don't do dishes on Sunday, right? It's okay. Like they can wait till Monday if that's going to stress you out. Check the weather. Uh, Why did I put check the weather? Oh, I know what I was thinking. I was like, what's your letter? What is that? Right? As part of, now there's a reason, okay? As part of your day, right? Say that you want to go out and do something outside and reflect on the beauty of God. Check ahead. Check the weather. Make sure that it's going to work out to be that day, right? Most important thing, though, right? Most important thing, even more important than checking the weather, right? Mom, right? Am I right? Uh, that's an instant stress for you. It's not going to be enjoyable if it's going to snow. Um, check the weather. Most importantly, though, is eliminate distractions. And for me, what that means is I need to take this thing right here and I need to lock it up. Turn it off, lock it up, get it out of my face. Because I'm not going to think about the Lord as long as this thing's blowing up in my ear and it's distracting me. Right? And I'm learning to practice that in other areas of my life. We're going to talk more about that. So we're going to come and hate on your electronics uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, but, but that, don't turn the TV on. Right? That's not a day of reflecting on the Lord. That's a day of just sitting and not thinking about anything right? 
actually plan things that are meaningful and significant. Okay? And so, real quick, last thing-ish. Um, I know, I know, I know. It's y'all's fault. Y'all are so interactive today. Um, so practically, what does that look like? Number one, let's, let's worship together. So come together as the people of God. Let's worship God. Let's set it apart. Uh, it's a great day to come to church. It's a great day to study the Bible, go to life group. Those are all great things. Sing to the Lord, right? It's a great day just to take some time to sing to the Lord. Some of us, we can do that around other people. Some of us, we need to be by ourselves um, for their sake and for our own, right? But just let's sing praises. Let's just rejoice in the Lord. Uh, it's a day of rest. So you know what? It's okay to sleep in a little bit unless you're... Just to be here early for shut up. Um, it's, no, just take a nap for those that have to get up early. It's okay to take a nap that day, right? It's okay to rest and enjoy the day. Do things that cause joy, right? Things that are going to cause you to think about the Lord and his creation, right? And remember him and all of that. So for some of us, maybe it's a day. Let's, let's go to the park. Let's, let's ride our bike. Let's go, go for a walk and think about the Lord. Right? Some of us, we go out to our wood shop or something, and that's just our place that we can think about the Lord, right? Not because it's something that i got to get done, but because it's a, it's a joy. Some of us can work on our guns, right, Heath? I, I saw you. I saw you. Right? Um, not because it's a task, but because it's a joy, and I can, I can worship the Lord in that. Most impo- well, not most importantly, but, but another really important part is just that idea of community. Right? Sharing life uh, and joys together. And so it's a time to eat together, right? Fulfill this desire. Love, hang out together, right? Enjoy each other's company. Um, it's a place to study God's word together. It's life group, all those other things. Um, so this idea of community. Again, here's the big point, right? If we truly want God to be our number one desire, we need to make time and space in our life for him to be that. And a Sabbath day, a rest day to reflect on him is a very helpful, very practical practice in order to make sure that God is in his proper place in our lives. As much as we say that we love God, and as much as we say that he's important to us, when we look at our lives and our days, does it really reflect that he's our number one desire? Right? Financially? With our time? With our thoughts? With our mind? Right? But as far as our time goes, a Sabbath day, a day to rest, the Lord's day is a great practice to help keep God in his proper place. So here's our practice this week. Okay? You guys can probably guess this before I even tell you, right? But I want you to think through some of these questions, right? What would be restful for you today? Again, what, what activities um, would cause you to think of God um, as you're doing them and reflect on Him, right? Who do you enjoy being around? Who are those people that when you're around them, they, they, just, they just help you worship the Lord better just by being in their presence together, okay? Number two, make a plan. Make a plan to set aside a 24-hour period right? Make a plan to actually eliminate distractions and set aside some time that you can focus on him. And then most importantly, the practice this week is then to start doing that, right? Some of you guys today may be able to just say, you know what? I can wipe the calendar the rest of the day and just rest some and and think about the Lord. Do it. Some of you guys may be like, you know what? I've already got 60,000 other things already planned out for today. Um, So think, plan, and then start practicing it the next week, okay? All right. Uh, and then finally, as a reminder, remember that this will take time. It's not easy. Um, it's going to be different based on your, your life. Some of you guys, it may, Sunday may not work out, you know, but we can do this together in community. Man, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, who knew? Maybe if we talked about Sabbath, you know, more than every, like, 800 years, then it would be so busy this morning, right? Um, now I'm going to practice what we just talked about, and we're going to stop and rest. <laughs> Okay, And the way that we've chose to do that this morning is through remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Okay, That's the way that we want to stop and reflect specifically on him today as a body of Christ. Okay, So we're going to set up the bread and the cup in the back. Okay, And we're just going to have a couple of minutes um, where we just have that open for anybody that wants to observe that, to take that. Uh, remembering, um, as, as Paul writes, as Jesus said in the Gospels, the, the bread is the picture, again, of the, of the broken body for Jesus. And so as we f- reflect on that, as we take that, we think about the sacrifice, right? The, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and what that cost him. And then as we, as we think about the juice or the, or the wine, um, we think about the blood, the reflection of the blood that he paid for our lives and for the sin in our life. And so as you go through, uh, I know a lot of church traditions kind of do it a 
you know, multiple different ways. Uh, the way that we do it, we just find it to work the best, is uh, we'll just have a piece of bread sitting there. So feel free to just pull you off a piece of bread. And then we're going to have a cup set up, and you can just dip uh, your bread in the cup. Uh, please dip before you take. Um, just a little courtesy reminder for everybody that's coming after you. Um, but in that, in that moment, right, as you're reflecting, right, and this is the worship element of it today, right, think about that sacrifice. Think about Jesus and what he's done for us. Reflect deeply on the love that he had for us. Reflect deeply on this desire that we have for him and what he, and, and what he is and who he is to us in our lives. And so I'm going to close this out in prayer, okay? And we're going to just have a few minutes. Um, we'll, we'll turn the lights down. We'll have some music playing. Um, and we're not going to dismiss by rose or anything, but just as, as you feel ready um, to, to do that, uh, take the time and reflect on Jesus as we go take communion together this morning. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for, uh, God, just your beautiful picture that we would take a day in our lives to worship you, to celebrate you, to think deeply about you. Father, there's no better picture of that than taking communion. There's no better picture of that than what Jesus did for us to remind us of where our heart's desire should be. So today I do pray for us as we observe this time of communion, as we come and we remember and we meditate and we reflect on Jesus and what he's done for us. God, may you be glorified in this time uh, through, our, uh, through our celebrating uh, this Lord's Supper. God, we love you. Pray that you get the, the, the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.